0: Blog Talk Radio. I got
1: Good morning and welcome to NJSBA's Blog Talk Radio program, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a show dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the important education issues of the day. Uh, today, we have Senator Cody with us, and I'll introduce him in a second, a conversation that brings the state leaders to you, and I hope that you all feel free to join in on the conversation. I will let you know our chat room right now, we are experiencing difficulties. Hello. No, no, no. Yes, hello. Mr. Hello, Penny? Senator Cody? Governor Cody, yes. Yes, Governor Cody. Sorry. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> uh,
2: gonna...
1: Let me just give you a little introduction. My name is Ray Pinia. I'm the host. We're live right now.
2: Right. Okay.
1: Okay. Um my name is Ray Pinney. I'll be your host for Conversation New Jersey Education. Our guest today will be uh, Governor uh, Richard Cody. Um, I would like to thank him for joining us. And, oh, you know, wow. New Jersey politics is very unique. Uh, I think we would all agree on that. And I think... Uh, That's want- not
2: necessarily good though, Ray. Right?
1: <laughs> but I think your experience, you, since 1974, you've been in the legislative process uh, at various Experiences, both as an assemblyman, as a senator, as Senate president, you're still a senator, uh, and as governor. So I'm not sure if anyone else has your depth or of experience in the. And about
2: uh, whether it's good or bad, right? Uh,
1: I think. Well, you keep getting elected, so I guess some people think it's good, right?
2: That's true.
1: <laughs> you, know, if you look at the. So it's my pleasure. Um, education right now, in New Jersey's in a state of flux. Uh. Uh, governor Christie has kind of um, proposed uh, a new – he hasn't proposed a new funding formula, but he's proposing um, tweaking it, I guess, is the best way I can look at it with his commissioner. Um, what do you think of school funding and how we go about it in the state and what Governor Christie is about? I don't know. If about.
2: Our listeners agree. I thought when I was president of the Senate in nine I think it was, uh, uh, with Corzine as governor, we came up with a new sc- uh, school funding formula. A lot of the Urbans weren't happy with us. I come from an urban county, proud of it. Um, But uh, suburban uh, school districts got more money. Uh, Some Republicans joined with us in voting for this new funding formula. It was taken to court, and the court ruled that it was constitutional. So uh, everybody uh, seemed to be pleased almost. Uh, throughout the state uh in terms of other school districts and the kind of money they got then the governor came in and his first budget uh cut uh a big and as of school aid uh out of uh education which was a tremendous uh uh slap and uh hard for the school districts to um really operate under and now he's proposing a, an increase he calls it in school aid, but even that increase that he's proposed for fiscal year, what they call thirteen, is still a hundred million dollars less than when he entered office
1: so we're back to where we started is basically Well, we're a hundred
2: million dollars short uh, of that and 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 it hurts there's no question about it, and then the court ruled against him if he had funded the old nine formula uh like we had, we wouldn't be in the situation uh we're in right now but Uh, It is what it is.
1: Uh, I guess he would argue uh, the governor that he was had a a big shortfall and it would been hard. He would have been hard pressed. I I
2: I understand that, but uh, I would argue that uh, asking people who make per year over a million dollars to give a one and a half percent more in the income tax would have given us roughly six to seven hundred million dollars in school aid.
1: Okay, so you're supporting the millionaire's tax. That would have helped close the gap and kept uh, most of the school's uh, funding adequate during that
2: relatively difficult time. But close. And um, I think it was unfair. Now, when he's
1: proposing his budget now, and I think there's going to be a lot of debate on his budget, uh, particularly probably on his revenue forecast.
2: Um, Understatement.
1: Uh, so I'm not sure when you're going to come to a conclusion on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, the revenue forecast is kind of like a Penn and Teller show. I mean, and I'm not trying to be negative. I could care less what party the governor belongs to. But when you're when the chief financial officer of legislative services, which is nonpartisan, says we're close to a billion dollars in the hole in our existing budget, which closes July 1st, and then on top of it you have a forecast of an increase of seven. I think, in revenues for next year, the highest projection of any state in the country. And we are the state, uh, the 9.1 unemployment, one of the highest in the country and the highest in the region. That doesn't mix. And then you have the credit agencies warning either, I think they put our bonds on watch uh, Mm -hmm. just about a month ago. And, you know, his first two budgets got uh, downgrades from Wall Street. It looks like this budget, if it passes in its present form, will get another downgrade, costing New Jersey residents a lot of money uh, in the uh, bond market. So obviously his um, budget numbers are off. Um, So it's it's not looking good in terms of next year's budget and this year's budget. How do we make up the shortfall? And now he's gone to borrowing, which under the uh, Lance Court ruling, uh, was ruled illegal, so you're going to have a court fight on the transportation bar going, bar, borrowing that he wants to do, and that'll be an interesting court case as to whether or not he's going to be allowed to borrow when the uh, courts ruled that borrowing for the budget is not legal, according to the Constitution.
1: Which I think most in his party, uh, uh, I agree. You shouldn't be doing that.
2: Well, well, but I think, I think unfortunately, we've seen where the Republican legislators, many of them very great and outstanding legislators, you know, they're they're afraid to speak out because the governor wants party discipline at all costs. And that's unfortunate. By the way, I was just up in a school district, by the way, um, in a uh, suburban district, and the uh, school board members were complaining to me about the governor's cap on the salaries of superintendents. Mm-hmm. Uh governor, uh, our existing uh, superintendents are looking to get out, and we're ha- having a lot of trouble finding good candidates because of the cap.
1: Yes, they're worried about the leadership uh, right. vacuum.
2: That's a problem, and you know,
1: particularly in North Jersey, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, where you know, obviously, the cost of living in North Jersey is very high, and you have people who have been in education for 25 years, have their masters, their doctorate. And maybe they're in their early 50s, sending kids to college, and are told the most you can make is 175 because that's what the governor makes. Well, we all know the governor's salary is prematurely low uh, for political reasons. Why it should be tied to the governor's salary, I think, is ridiculous. I mean, I don't think 210 or 220 is some, some outrageous salary for a school superintendent. That's certainly not living high on the hog. In, today's economy in North Jersey, South Jersey, or Central Jersey. you know, it's a uh, problem for education in New Jersey going forward, believe
1: me. One of the other things, uh, in, in your district, legislative district, both the old and the new, one of the issues that has arisen is charter schools. And uh, there's a big push for them. Uh, where do you see the, the charter schools? When the legislation was passed 15, 16 years ago, I don't think we envisioned a lot of the things that we have now.
2: Well, I can assure um, you because um, when that was voted through and I'm not a uh, big admirer of charter schools necessarily uh, my problem with charter schools is that they tend to cream the crop uh so in especially in urban areas um let's say you have John Jones and unfortunately his home situation is not what we would like it to be and he may be living with grandma who's doing her best to help uh, that kid uh, get educated but that kid is not ever going to probably find his way to um, a charter school uh, because there's other uh, relatives living in that household going to school with him. And yet you've taken the best students in his classroom and taken them out and put them in the charter school. So you have effectively dumbed down his classroom. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. That's wrong. The charter schools uh, in urban areas should reflect the demographics of the urban area that they are located in, in every possible way. And that includes the academic demographics. They show you to take the mix of children and not just the best of children. That's kind of like, you know, the superintendent of Milburn has mm-hmm. done a great job because the SATs are very high. I mean, that's what's going on in some of the charter schools in Newark where they're pounding their chest saying, look at these test scores from these kids. Well, you know, if you take out the best, that's what's going to happen.
1: Hmm. Now, what do you think I – and mean, I know there was um, a, a proposal in, um, I believe, West Orange and uh, South Orange for oh. a charter schools. Should a community – or so, South Orange? There be a, yeah, should there be a, uh, a way that the community can have a say in this or I, the local board I, or something?
2: I believe that if you're going to use their tax dollars, uh, that they should have a say as to whether or not these – charter schools are going to exist in their communities because people don't understand that the money follows the kid, the uh, child. Mm -hmm. And uh, once they found that out, it was a big uproar. And I'm looking at uh, school districts in my area here, Maplewood, South Orange, Livingston, you know, good school districts, and they're like, gov, what's going on here? They're going to take hundreds of thousands of dollars out of the school district, and we're going to have to make it up some way. And, of course, when you take that amount of kids, it's not enough kids to close a school, uh, even, um, you know, do away with a class. So, so we- you have that extra burden of hundreds of thousands of dollars going out the door, but yet none of your expenses really went down. So I'm <laughs> I'm not in favor of allowing charter schools in any area uh, outside of those failing school districts uh, to operate without the consent of the taxpayers of that town.
1: And I, I believe one of your uh, assembly colleague Milo J C, has a bill that she's dropped in on that where she was sponsoring something to yes. that
2: effect. Yeah, the president of the Senate has said that that will never see the light of day.
1: Okay. Uh, one other thing on charter schools uh, – what about virtual charter schools? Now, I, I can't imagine you were in the Senate then, so you could tell me better. Was there any discussion of virtual charter schools when we...
2: We were just trying to learn how to do our uh, uh, cell phones back then. <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, it, I, and I think that's just totally out of control. You know, I've had conversations with um, the commissioner, both on these boutique schools in wealthy school districts and virtuals, and I, and I let them know I'm strongly opposed to it, and I his reaction was uh not a total 100% agreement would be but he made it known to me he was concerned about the growth of these boutique schools and if he eventually turned down those schools in my district um uh, mm-hmm. oh at least he understands the issue as it stands now and is with us on that particular issue
1: would you support and this is uh, this we, uh, our association just came up with a policy on uh, our membership uh, maybe a moratorium on, particularly on vir- virtual charter schools. Do so we have a discussion or uh, on on the virtual charter schools?
2: I would, I would, I would hope you do a moratorium on virtual and charter schools. Those those charter schools that would exist in non you know in good districts where they're not filling mm-hmm. districts, there should be a moratorium as well.
1: Um, one other thing. Uh, but I have two final questions because I have a couple minutes. One, uh, the Opportunity Scholarship Act. I, I don't believe it's going to be moving. But what's your That's a different type of choice. Do you support that?
2: I'm opposed to that as well. Uh, You know, maybe I'm old school, but, you know, my uh, parents sent us to Catholic school, and uh, they paid uh, every Sunday when they put money in the basket. And nobody complained. Nobody thought it was somebody else's obligation to pay for our uh, religious school uh, training. And uh, I believe in that, and... um, Um, so I'm not going to be uh, supportive of that uh, at all.
1: Yeah, I I heard it's not – I don't think it's going to be moving, uh, at least in this month anyway. That
2: only hurts public schools uh, even more, and they're under assault today, unlike they've ever been uh, under assault in my 39 years in the legislature, Ray.
1: Wow. Now, I've I've read your book.
2: I hope you laughed out loud.
1: I I did laugh at a few things, and I can't tell people, but if they want to have a – it's, it, and I lived through most of it, so I'm a, I'm a New Jerseyite like you. So, um, And I remember almost all those incidents that you put in there. I'm a little younger than you, but I remember almost every single one. Um, but it, it struck me uh, that you obviously love government and policy. Uh, you love community service, but you are a little uncomfortable with the influence that money has in some of the political power brokers who are not elected.
2: Is oh, yeah. That, I, you know, I have no – listen – My father told me if you're going to go into politics, never take a job from a politician because if you do, he'll have you by your testicles and your heart and your mind will follow. And unfortunately, we have too much of that in the New Jersey legislature. I have never seen it worse than it is now. Uh, When I got elected, there were these bosses, but they never called you about legislation, never. The only thing they cared about, first of all, was controlling their county for patronage all right, not the legislature, and uh, judges getting made that they wanted to get made. Other than that, they didn't bother you at all as a legislator, so there was never an issue for me. So, I mean, it's transformed itself now, we have the guy down the south who just wants power, power, and more power. He's He was traveling around in his helicopter courting state senators um and telling them who should be the leaders of the legislature. So he had six people in a room in Elizabeth dictating to the legislature who the leaders were going to be, who was going to chair different committees. And out of those six people, half of them weren't even legislators. I mean, that's sad. It's very, very sad. How
1: do we? Uh, how do you propose that it can be changed?
2: I, I to be honest with you, I'm not optimistic. I'm really not because under this governor. Unlike any other governor, he has given these power brokers, Mr. Norcross and Mr. DiVincenzo, more power than any governor that I have ever seen in 39 years. Simple.
1: Wow.
2: He calls it a partnership. Believe me, there is no partnership with these bosses. It's, uh, it's their way or the highway.
1: So uh, and from your perspective, it's hard to be an independent legislator now.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, I've run against my own party up here in Essex County two times in one. Um, but I'm kind of like a bald eagle, uh, to be honest with you. But you know, the day I leave, I'm going to be as independent as the day I came in, and I'm very, very proud of that. No one's going to tell me how to vote.
1: Okay. Well, I,
2: I want to thank you, tell your listeners that the, the my book is not about how I feel about climate control.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody
2: uh, cares, neither you know. I'm well aware of that. It's it's a funny, refreshing look at life and politics.
1: I think it's actually pretty uh, open. I think you're open uh, about uh, your private life with your wife and your sons, and I, so and also about oh, you know, and conversations.
2: Ray, I got to be transparent on a phone call. I sleep with a teacher every night. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it is.
1: <laughs> well, if, if anyone, the listeners, want to read his book, you just got a little uh, a little look as to how he he wrote it. He writes it pretty much the way he talks. True. Now, okay. You want to talk
2: about tenure reform? Uh yeah. Yeah, I mean I listen, I
1: mean uh, it's one of your colleagues in Essex County's probably the biggest proponent of it.
2: Yeah, but you know, she she has uh, obviously, you know, and I respect her, but she has ties to the charter school um movement, as you well know. Um but it, i feel there should be tenure reform. Uh what form that takes is going to be debated. I think it should be at least four, maybe five years. Um, I think that the process we have now for getting a um, a bad teacher out of the system is ridiculous and almost never happens. That has to be changed. I've heard the Teachers Association came up with, a, I think, an arbitration plan. Am I right, Ray?
1: hmm They and, came up with a revised plan, yes.
2: And I, I think that's good. The, Quicker, we can settle the issue of whether or not that teacher leaves. We're better off, um, without question. So, you know, the teacher—some teachers may or may not agree with me. That's the way I feel. Uh, the other thing is, uh, is that um, I think we need a process where an administrator can go into a classroom on several occasions, not just once or twice, to observe and get a real feel of what's going on. In that classroom, both in the beginning of school, the middle, uh, and at the end, and engage the kids and get feedback from them and have a real good uh, evaluation process, uh, better than it really is uh, today. Now,
1: uh, the governor, uh, the governor and the commissioner uh, are proposing tying uh, teacher evaluations to not just test scores but the student achievement, uh, which is probably easier said than done. But uh, yeah. I'd-
2: Ray, I'm, I'm opposed to that. Until mm-hmm. every classroom is oranges to oranges, I'm not going to support it. I'm not going to support merit pay. You know, we we talk about these failing schools, and for some reason we blame the teachers. I mean, I don't know where we get off blaming the teachers. It's, you know, it's society. It's parents. It's guardians. I mean, you talk to people in urban areas, and they're like, you know, why, why are we making Scapegoats out of teachers. You know, is it their fault or, you know, I don't understand it. We've we've got to do more for those children in terms of pre-K. Ray, when you look at how well children who have gone through Head Start do in terms of mm-hmm. going to college, living a successful life, a happy life, they far exceed their colleagues in the urban areas who didn't have Head Start. So the more we can fund pre-K, and I would say take away from, you know, the 25000 for a student in a high school. You know, in an urban area, once a kid can't read by the age, by the third grade, the odds of him being able to read are close to, you know, nil.
1: They're behind we forever. We've
2: got to spend our money early and make up sometimes for a lack of resources in the home or a structure in the home, and continue to fund after three programs at a higher rate so the child can get um, tutoring after school, enjoy some recreation programs, and and be in a good setting. And I think those are the children that will do very well. So we've got to stop blaming teachers and saying, what are the programs we need to put into those areas? And I think uh, pre-K and uh, after three are those programs that we need to fund as opposed to to taking the best students out and putting them into charter schools.
1: Okay. Uh, Governor, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, It's been a real pleasure, and I I would welcome you back any time. And I may see you down the road. I go to Seton Hall basketball games once in a while.
2: Oh, you'll see me there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I actually did meet you once there. uh, All right, sir. You you had a hot dog at the time.
2: Uh, No, 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 no. I don't
1: eat hot dogs at basketball games. Well, maybe it was me eating the hot dog. I don't remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for joining us.
2: All right, sir. Thank you all. Okay. Everybody thank you. have a good day. Bye now.
1: Bye now. Okay. Uh, I hope the listeners are still holding on. Uh, John Bellina? Not here. Uh- they're here. Okay, uh, for those people listening, uh, New Jersey School Board Association has a new president, uh, John Blina. John, you know, I probably should let them know, what district are you from and how long have you been on the board?
0: Uh, Tabernacle in South Jersey in the Pinelands, and this is my 24th year on the board.
1: Wow. Now, um, well, our time got a little shorter because the, the governor stayed on a little longer than I thought. Um, he was good,
0: though. I, I'm glad he was on. He espoused a lot of good thoughts.
1: Yes. Um, you know, let's touch on charter schools, because he, he talked about it. He has strong opinions. And New Jersey School Board Association just um, just uh, changed some of our policies in that area. Uh, we set up a committee, uh, that um, to an ad hoc committee, which I believe it did have members of the tr- charter school members on, as well as members from regular school districts, too, right?
0: Yes, it did. I believe there are two charter school members who were part of the committee. And why did we form this committee? Well, as, as the governor indicated, that the the laws for the New Jersey, uh, just New Jersey, uh, are, are really pretty dated. They, uh, they date back to uh, 1995. Uh, we felt that there was time to to have it looked at. Uh, President Wiss appointed a former President Wiss. We need President Wiss, Uh Appointed a committee to take a look at it to see how should these things be resolved, how should be evaluated. Things that uh, Governor Cody alluded to the fact that when the, the laws are written, uh, they were still trying to figure out how to use their uh, cell phones. Jokingly, he said that, but in all honesty, items like char- uh, virtual charter schools, cyber charter schools, weren't even on the drawing board. It wasn't on the radar screen. Uh, we need to take a look at some of those things. So the the committee was established, and uh, they looked at, at all facets of uh, charter schools. Uh, and it came
1: up with a list of recommendations. Uh, let's go through some of those recommendations. Um, what about uh, uh, virtual charter schools? What was the feeling on virtual charter schools? Because that's a totally new thing.
0: Yeah, The, the feeling on virtual charter schools basically is the fact that uh, New Jersey has no regulations dealing with that. Uh, and, and as such, it, it's important for New Jersey to come up with regulations. The, the vast majority of states where it is allowed uh, which charter, virtual charter schools are allowed, have specific recommendations referring to charter schools, how they're implemented, how they're funded. Uh, and New Jersey doesn't have that in place. Uh, so if New Jersey is considering doing something like this, they really need to, to come up with some regulations to define how, what charter schools are, how they're going to be funded, uh, most importantly, uh, and and how they're going to proceed.
1: So we, we don't... Uh... The committee and I should recommend that the delegate assembly it was accepted that uh, until there's new statutes and regulations guiding the state, we should really have a moratorium and not open any virtual charter schools.
0: Um, that's the New Jersey School Board's uh, policy at this point. It was approved by the delegate assembly uh, with no uh, no objection to whatsoever. Uh, so that that is the direction of the association proceeding.
1: And what about? Um, How do they look at the the role of the community and the school board in the process for opening charter schools?
0: New Jersey School Boards Association believes that local boards of education who are elected by local voters should have a say on whether the uh, charter schools, virtual charter schools, are happening as opposed to being approved by the state of New Jersey Department of Education. Uh, They feel that uh, local funding... Uh, is the is a, a source uh, that the district should have uh, is local funding is a source for all schools within the district and I feel that like the local voters should have a say in whether there should be a charter school virtual or otherwise um, open within their district
1: okay and w- one of the things that we always hear uh, is uh, that uh, charter schools are laboratories of learning and they should be collaboration uh, between them and the regular school districts, but there usually isn't, and part of that is the funding mechanism because they're competing for the same resources, for lack of a better term. What did the, did the committee think and NJSB think on the how we fund charter schools? Well,
0: uh, the Georgia school board has a, a policy uh, that's been developed by the Delegate Assembly. Uh, And the policy calls for full state funding of charter schools unless the local school board has authority to approve or disapprove the charter school's application. Uh, And and I think that's a key piece there, because additions to our policies on charter schools address other changes in the funding process. Uh, They call for adjustments to the charter school funding formula as well as the charter school application process, and that these changes would ensure that the financial impact of a new charter school is clear. Uh, to the state department of education, and the local school district, and the taxpayers of New Jersey. Uh,
1: overall, what's the association's belief on charter schools? We're, I know we're, we're not uh, against charter schools or anything of that sort. Uh,
0: New Jersey School Boards Association believes that, <clears throat> uh, according to law, charter schools have a right to exist. We agree with that. Um, as, as Governor Ford, Governor Cody indicated that charter schools. Excuse me if I can clear my throat. Um, charter schools have a right to exist, uh, they're necessary in some districts, um, but uh, in terms of state law and regulations, we have to make sure that it's certain uh, that we focus on the interests of all public school students, those attending charter schools as well as students who attend traditional public schools. Uh, this brings up a lot of issues to, uh, surrounding the charter school funding process, community authorization. As well as uh, the authorization of charter schools,
1: and I understand that we're gonna. This is not a one-shot. We're going to continue to look at these issues um, over the next few years.
0: Uh, uh, most definitely, it's, uh, education is an ongoing process. It's not something you can look at at one time and say, "Okay, the question's answered and we're done." And let's move on. Uh, anyone that's been involved in education knows it's a continuing effort to be able to allow all of our students to succeed at the highest level that they're capable of succeeding. Uh, and I think that's the goal of everyone in- in education
1: okay, um John, I'd like to thank you and uh congratulate you on being elected too. This is your first time. uh we'll have you back, I'm sure uh are you looking forward to being president
0: uh as As I indicated when I was uh, elected by the delegate assembly that this is probably the most dynamic time in education in the past sixty years. You'd have to go back to the the Soviet launching of the Sputnik. I think, to create uh, as dynamic a time as we currently have. Uh and so to that again, uh, to that end, yes, I think it's, it's definitely an exciting time for everyone to be involved in education. I think it's an exciting time for the School Board Association, and consequently it's an exciting time for me to be elected as president to be able to serve at this point.
1: Well, we, we wish you luck. Um, and thanks for coming on.
0: Uh, uh, thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure to be here.
1: And uh, you had a tough act to follow too. Uh, uh, next time I won't have you do that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'd like to thank the people for listening, uh, and hopefully uh, you'll join us in a couple weeks when we have our next show. And uh, my name's Ray Penny, and uh, I'm good. Good night. Oh, good. Goodbye. Not good night. I'm it's in the morning when I'm doing this.